Welcome to the 525 Records Podcast. My guest today is a Portland legend. He's been kicking around for years. He's been a session player. He's been a band leader. He's even been a bass player. Mr. Mark Breitenbach. With the lights out And the blinds all fixed I finally cracked my coat A few shots and count words A cigarette the trick I let my guard down Some people seem to have more music than blood running through their veins. I like to think I'm one of those people, but I know for sure today my guest is definitely one of those people. His name is Mark Breitenbach. That was the I Can I Can't you just heard. And uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the first ever 525 Records podcast. Sitting here with the artist known as Mark Breitenbach. Hey, out. How's it going, brother? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm excited to have you on the very first ever 525 Records podcast. I've been trying to get this podcast going for so long. It's not even funny. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here, man. I, uh, I'm glad I can be the first uh, and, and break your virgin podcast. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What, uh, <laughs> what kind of podcast do you listen to? Um, I, I really like comedy podcasts, so I'm kind of a Doug Loves Movies, uh, mm. How Did This Get Made. Yeah. Um, but what about I, like Rogan or any of that? I listen to a little bit of Rogan. He tends to just, three hours is a little much for me, yeah. uh, podcast-wise. I kind of like a, a short and succinct podcast, like that's, that's, that's more to the point. But he tends to ramble a little much. But I, I do love Rogan, and I'll yeah. watch his clips continuously on YouTube. Like, the thought of releasing a comedy record to me is... It's like, pretty enticing. Oh, man. And just the, the whole comedy scene right now is just burgeoning and coast to coast. That's true. And you have all these young, up-and-coming comics. And I just, In you know, every city, too, right. now, it seems like. And, you know, Portland's a pretty good comedy town. Mm. I am a big fan of Amy Miller, who I think is a Portland... Comedian. I don't think I know her. You haven't heard her before? Uh-huh. Oh man, she is hilarious. I think I, I love her. She's she's on Doug Loves Movies a lot. Uh, that's Doug Benson, right? That's Doug Benson. Okay. Yeah. So is, yeah. does he still do that other one where it's uh, getting high with Doug? Yeah. yeah. Getting Doug with high. Getting Doug with high. Sorry. Yeah. Getting Doug with high. Reggie Watts was on that. He was. Too. He was yeah. one of the first yeah. people. They, they all get super baked and then they just go uh, yeah. and sit around and they, they just smoke weed. It seems like so. Like um, Doug Benson's this. Like stereotypical stoner, he's like a he's, character of a character. Exactly, exactly. It's pretty. Funny. He has a he has that other one too, the interruption with Doug or something like that, where they he uh, he he they watch a, a movie and then he just keeps interrupting the movie and talking throughout it. Oh yeah, um, that's genius. Yeah, it's like every YouTube great. video ever made. <laughs> sure. That's the whole. <laughs> that's how that's how you get around the fair use. Like you could start a YouTube channel that's movie reviews. You can play the movie and it's it's totally good. You just have to stop and talk over and it. And talk over it. And every you don't have to worry minute about copyrighting and a half. Yeah. Or the copyrights or anything. And that's fair use. That's pretty. That's or it's pretty ingenious. Supposed to be fair use. And then here and there in lies the rub where. 
you know, people claim that, uh, you know, oh, they'll take you down because he used the two-second two clip, second clip from, from, from Indiana Jones or... Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious, right, gotcha, gotcha. Well, dude, speaking of which, you're a movie buff. I am. A large collection of movies. I, have, I happen to know this. You do? You know? <laughs> I have a pretty... My sources tell me. Extensive Blu-ray DVD collection, uh, whereas most people are downsizing their collections and going yeah. all digital, I tend to... Uh, mine, mine is just growing bigger and bigger, so... I'm uh, the same exact way. Yeah. I like the hard copy. I want I want a hard drive full of music. I don't I don't pay for streaming. I mean not yet. It's okay. getting pretty hard not to now. But yeah, yeah. That reminds me. I stole from you one time a Ben Folds Five DVD. That's right. I from still 1998. Uh huh. Where uh, they do uh, they cover that they do Vaseline on that one, yes. don't they? Yeah. Flaming Lips. It's a pretty incredible concert. That it really footage. is. Is it live at 56? 54. 54th. 54th. Sessions at 54. Session at 54th Street. That's right. That's right. Whatever you think about Ben Folds today, personally, you, you cannot argue the Ben Folds Five and from '95 to '99, probably one of the greatest bands to ever grace any stage ever. This is that cut, Vaseline. I gotta be careful. I don't want to use too much of this. I know a girl who. Listen to the harmonies when they hit the chorus. You hear Robert Sledge coming in with a high part. Robert Sledge, uh, my personal hero, the big muff bass player. This is why music publishing is in such a state of disarray. I mean, you know, that was a TV show before the internet was really a thing. They're doing a lips cover. I mean, all this, all the licensing required just to do that, I'm sure, was a nightmare and a legal catastrophe. And then here we are today, you know, 30-whatever years later, 20 years later. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to put it on a podcast because, you know, try to squeeze it in a little 30-second clip that I'm commenting over so they don't rip it out. Hopefully that will fall under fair use guidelines. But you never know. Anyway, check that track out. It's uh, man, that whole DVD is just—it's a—it's a—it's a must-have to say the least. When music was still music. But I digress. Um, back to the podcast. Let's hear a little Mark. Let's hear Mark playing guitar. You know, he wasn't a teenage guitar player like the rest of us. He picked it up very late in life, and he's self-taught. And uh, I think he did a pretty good job. Take a listen.
sounds like a guy using a pick, right? Doesn't it sound like your standard guitar player, rock and roll pick player? Uh, well, you got another thing coming. He is uh, pickless. He uses only fingers. He's all fingers all day. No picks ever. I find it, you know, fascinating. I, I challenge anyone to play that kind of guitar without a pick and see how far you get. It's not going to you're not going to get far. You're probably asking, oh, wow, what's the name of that track? Can I find it on iTunes? And the answer is no. It's unreleased. It's one of many of the, I would say, Prince-size vault of unreleased awesome recordings that were tracked professionally in good studios that have yet to be released or distributed because he's that high of a caliber of a songwriter. He has so many songs that he has literally two-inch reels laying around full of, you know, the most awesome cuts you'll ever hear. And uh, he's spent the last couple of years um, kind of doing pre-production and SoundCloud recordings, that kind of thing. He's written about 30 songs in the last two years. It's pretty impressive. Six, 27 songs that I put up. You're one of the few guys that you have so many songs that I think you've forgotten more great songs than most people... Would write, you know, in a, in a <laughs> you, decade. You might be right. You might be right. I know that um, it's been fun to, to to revisit even old songs that I did, like with less cash. But but I have songs that's that that I started doing at the at the end of my marriage that um, uh, that I finished and and put on SoundClouds and 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 did you know tried to mix and stuff like that that now I, I don't remember how to play them because yeah. I haven't played them in forever so yeah, uh, yeah I definitely came up I, I definitely was my, my, my goal was I kind of said to myself I want to do one song a month and so uh, if I could hit the one song a month I was happy and occasionally I'd get two songs a month um, and then I would kind of slough off the next month but it was always, I would still always come up with something. So, so that year and a half or, you know, the 12, 12, yeah, that's where, you know, two years worth of, of songs at, a, a, you know, a song a month, you know, and sometimes two, you know, and that's where the 27 songs came from. Um, I think what's really impressive is the body of work before that point, you know. It was, you know, you'd been around the block a lot and you've written a lot of songs on a lot of different instruments and... Isn't it funny to look back on the music that you listened to back then and like just go like I used to listen to like the most stupidest hip hop. Not I don't want to say stupid. That's no, not the right no, word. But no. you know, a lot of too short. A too, lot yeah, of uh, yeah. I don't know what else. You know, I think you know you you going back knowing you back then. You mm-hmm. were always like the ultimate DJ. You always had the freshest record that just came out. <laughs> just always on top of the new music and I, whatever was dropped. Like Sublime, dude. You you had that Forty Ounces to Freedom before anybody. Ninety six rolled around when we were kicking around. Um, this is gonna true. really make us sound old. But, yeah, uh, yeah, no. Yeah, I remember I, that very specifically. I I would go to Tower Records or I would go to. There's a little record shop in Mowbray, and uh, when I'd get out of school, um, I went to Aragon High School, and I'd walk over to the to the record shop, and uh, um, and they had this was right when they started putting listening stations in, but they were the kind that that were like they it wasn't like you could just take a record up and have them open it and listen to it. They had specific records that you were able to listen to uh, on headphones, and you'd press like you know, three, and it would pick, oh, Sublime, or it would pick uh, Trent Darby, or whatever, you know, it was, it was uh, 
it, it would, it, there were selective few, but I remember there would be like 30 records that the staff there had picked out to put on this thing, and I would listen to every single one, no matter what. Didn't matter if it was hip hop, if it was rock, if it was reggae, if it was classical, jazz, uh, I'd listen to it. And, and if it caught my ear, um, then, I was, then I was sold, and I'd usually buy it. Uh, hey Siri, play Terrence Trent Darby. Yes, there you go. Playing Deer Hunter from. Yeah. <laughs> now that's what you get nowadays. You yeah. don't even need to. You know that that that's why places like Tower Records and places like Warehouse Music that I used to work at are no no longer exist. Yeah. Um, so, but everything comes back around, and we're starting to see more and more record sh shops and more and more places to to actually produce or to actually. Uh, buy you know vinyl or or even use CDs or or anything like that. Even cassettes now are starting to come back. So it's. Um, when did you first move to uh, Portland? Well, it was uh, 1997 that I ended up in Portland, and uh, a little band that we know, probably the world won't know, but it's a little band that we're pretty close with. We called 45 Minute Lick. 45 Minute Lick. This next cut is on the same record, but it is, and this is Mark Gracie in the piano. stuff i really enjoy that cut i think it's uh, just fascinating it's just disturbing on so many levels but <laughs> that it's on the same record as so many uh, you know crunchy rock and roll numbers i think it's fascinating but the first track was uh, it's a song called country bunkin and this last track with the piano is what we were calling de toilette and uh, both those can be found on the 45 minute lick band camp site if you so choose to visit that's and that's right. how we got to know each other. That's right. That's right. Uh, how we got to know each other well. Yeah. 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 That's a, that was our first. Um, do you remember making that record at OTR? I do. In I the, do. In Redwood City, right? Yeah. Well, in the Belmont Hills. The Speaking Belmont, of Belmont Hills. That's what That's it was. what made me think of it. I do also remember that uh, it was kind of a, a claim to fame because, was it Primus had recorded Buckethead. there? Buckethead. Buckethead. Yeah. Thank you. Buckethead had recorded there. Yeah. Just for the record, uh, I don't think Primus ever recorded there, but Brain, who was in Primus at the time, uh, did a Buckethead record there. So, just, you know, a little historical context. And, uh, and, and then it had this really cool, like, I think there was a cool porch that you could go out on. Yeah, it overlooked the whole there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Bring about four super burritos up. That's right, that's right. But and they had that beautiful piano. They had the grand in there. Yeah, man. yeah and 24 they... track. Mm -hmm. I remember mm -hmm. our engineer, Henarosa Litton, if you're out there Henarosa. somewhere. Henarosa, that's right. You God. were the best. Wow, um, how did you remember that name? 
the, well, it's on the master tape. Oh, okay, so, good. Okay, gotcha. But, uh, <laughs> very famous. Somebody in the music world, uh, I think her last name's Marenko, Cookie Moreno or Cookie Marenko, I forget. Mm. But she was the owner of the studio. She was also into something called Liquid, which was back in the late 90s, supposed to be a you know, way ahead of its time, music streaming service that never went oh. off. But I remember one day when we were tracking in there, uh, the, somebody coming in talking to Henarosa about Netscape, how they had just left their job at Netscape. And oh, wow. They were rich because of all the stock they had. That they whatever. had in Netscape and they were able to retire? Yeah, Netscape went public or something like that. And That's pretty incredible. Yeah, but that was, you know, those were pretty awesome days. Right, right. No, and we had, yeah, yeah. Uh, Let's run down the hits. I mean, geez, well, uh, so uh, many. I mean, huge uh, hits. Uh, Ode de Toilette. Yes. Uh, that was one of them, I right? I think so. Boy, it's just a good thing none of that ever saw that a day. I don't know. I think people would actually. We played a lot of shows, though. You know, a we lot did. of basements. A lot of basements. Kenoy Williams. Kenoy Williams, Man. you're out there, buddy. Uh, the best manager in the whole that's world. That's right. Got us our first gig at, wait, 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 was, was it Roscoe's? Roscoe's, yeah. yeah Roscoe's. Thank, thankfully, there's pictures. Are there pictures? Oh, yeah. There's a flyer Different. down in my basement from it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I still got a flyer from it. So, um, and then, yeah, a lot of house parties, a lot of like. Uh, it was during the height of the sort of. SoCal Sublime Punk Reggae Infusion and you know we did quite a bit of that. We did. Uh, ripping off. We did. The, I had the the hot trend. We had that song that was like a rip off of um, it was like a reggae uh, summer lovin' yeah. song. Um, but it was all about catching like a venereal disease or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Just being fun and young mm -hmm. and uh, having a good time. Exactly. Rolling around. Herb. Yeah, it was it was definitely uh, yeah, it's, like you say Sublime 311. But times changed, and then so did we. So yeah. we evolved, I think, for a, for a minute. And then everybody just kind of... Well, the world's greatest drummer went off to be right. a rocket scientist. To be a rocket scientist. And that left us in the lurch. Not, you know, without a drummer, it's hard to kind of yeah. do too much. So. And that, uh, yeah. But, you know, then when do you think you first picked up a guitar? It was right around then, don't you think? Maybe 2002? It, it was definitely around then. And I think it was probably... Uh, um, yeah, it was probably like 2000 or maybe two, 2001 or 2000, but it was, it was due to not having access to a really good piano anymore. You know, my keyboard, uh, I was never happy with the keyboard sound that you get from a Casio or from a really cheap generic keyboard that you have. So, um, so I decided that I'd rather learn the guitar and, and also having you around, you know, it was, it was nice to. Um, to have somebody that could kind of guide me uh, in the right direction. Well, but, you were totally self-taught, guitar-wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have much. No, you're right. I, I, it was it was pretty much just. Um, I had a. I think I had a Mel Bay chord book, and I remember trying to just learning all the chords that I could from that. That made sense to me. And then it was a matter of using the the, the knowledge that I had from piano. And putting that towards the guitar, musical, so, musical note. Yeah, there. yeah. Like knowing that an E uh, has a, you know, if you're playing an E major chord and you have a G sharp in it, so trying to learn the G sharp chord or something like that, you know. Yeah. And figuring yeah. out what notes went together. So, yeah, yeah. But um, now I love the guitar, and I can't, I can't imagine not playing it. Um, well, and then that, I guess we're bringing up to speed. We're probably around 2000, mid 2000s. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I cannot can't. Yeah, they How can't. How did that get can't. started? I got started because 
bands dried up and I needed an outlet and so and I, I really wanted to play um, um, I really wanted to play guitar as I wanted to be a front man I wanted to be the singer that that and I didn't want to be like an Elton John or a Billy Joel type of singer I wanted to be a rock singer so so the Akinicans came about because yeah I wanted I knew a good drummer let's talk about Adam sure. how did you meet Adam we played in a band called the Smokes I call him the most underrated drummer of all time. I always wanted to, I would start a band with that guy any day. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very lucky to still have him in my life and, 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 and occasionally we, I'm lucky enough that we get to play together still. But uh, I will never forget the night at the Tonic. It was a Blue Skies show and uh, I saw him lay down some impressive rhythmic drumming. Yeah. It, it impressed the crap out of me. Were the smokes I, opening for Blue Skies? I think so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I do remember that. Um, and the drums sounded so good that night, and he was so in the pocket and just in the groove. And that's that's what I love the most about Adam is his complete and total engagement. He is one hundred and ten percent inside that song, and he is performing not selfishly, but trying to serve the song at all times. And very, that's just so rare. Very true. So rare. Very true. And he's an awesome dude. He's an awesome dude. He is one of those guys that just kind of gets lost in the song too. When you like are are playing and you look over at Adam, uh, he, is, he is zoned out to the point where that's all he's thinking about. Like you can try and get his attention, you go wave at him, you could even yell at him into the microphone, but if the song is in the middle and it's going, that's where he is. He's not thinking about anything else but the song. That was your first attempt at uh, being a frontman as a guitar player. Was the Icanic Hands. Right. Correct, yeah, because yeah. I was just playing the keys at a Honer Pianet that I'd play with the Smokes. They just wanted keys because they were a blues band, sort of, and so we uh, we would practice in, in uh, the place that Pat called his studio, which was uh, a gentleman that went by Bill, and I, I, I I'm not going to remember his last name, but uh, he had a basement that was full of junk, but in the back of the basement they had carved out a space where we could have a practice place, and Pat could do some recording and stuff like that. And uh, um, Pat Kearns, the Pat, Portland legend. Yes, yes. Also, yeah. Robert Burnham. Came, also, got a, but did, so I'm trying to remember voice. who was playing bass. Was that Seth? No, bass was bass was Robert, and and he had the Thunderbird. Oh my God! And, I forgot all about that. And Pat would play. Uh, Pat played guitar. Adam played the drums, and then yeah, I brought the I brought the Honer. Actually, the first time I played with them, I brought a Casio, and you uh, and, and I was surprised that they wanted me to come back because I, I was not impressed with the sound that I added to their band. Um, but eventually we, 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 got a, we got that honer and we, we amped it and, and it got this really super like grungy, gritty sound that was just, uh, that, that fit really well with, with, with everything else. So 
when we get to Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Everybody running for the singing, singing back. That's singing very true. Backups. That was a good one. That was a so fun one to chance. play. That was a fun fun song because it was it started on a C sharp. Yeah. And you didn't have too many songs that, that were you know, all the rest and of the And Rob songs had that were. big, smoky, rich voice. You oh, know, was such a, And he was such a good lyric writer. Too. Yes. Yes. And it that really baritone dropped. voice though, that came through, man. Everybody loved that voice. We, we just matched up really well, I think. Everybody's voice matched up really well with this band. So um, so it was good. But once it ended, it was uh, Adam and I still wanted to keep playing. And uh, I don't remember when we'd met Drew, but we had met Drew, and, and the Iconic Cants kind of came into existence because of that. That song previously played in the podcast where Mark was playing uh, brilliant guitar, that was an Iconic Cants song. Tell me what it was like uh, being on tour with Blue Skies up and down the West Coast. What was that? I was pretty dope, actually. That, that was pretty... my first experience. And it wasn't just up and down the West Coast. It was my first time I got to go to New York uh, was with Blue Skies. Um, and we did like a little, we did a show in Brooklyn, and then we did a show in... I thought, in... Didn't you guys play the Beacon? Or what no, was it? it was some really hoity the, gig? The grocery store or something like that, I think it was called. Oh. But it was it was not a grocery store, but it was a hoity gig. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of mostly hipsters. Uh, but I do remember getting out to the getting out to the East Coast and and having to play on a keyboard that we bought from like a thrift store and uh, and and kind of feeling a little out of place just because it wasn't it wasn't like a I didn't have a Nord at the time. I didn't have a really great keyboard at the time. So, uh, but we made it. We made it work. Um, and we did a, we did some shows in Philadelphia, and we did a show in New York, and we did. Uh, um, then you had that horrible layover. Was it Buffalo really or bad, something? I had a really bad it? layover. Yeah, it was like a twelve-hour layover or something like that. Yeah. And I was stuck with the, flying back to Portland. Yeah, that's the longest flight in the world. Is the East Coast back to Portland? Back to Portland because you got to go against the wind the whole time. It was huge. Yeah, that was a long one. So what always impressed me about Blue Skies is how efficiently they operated as a mover sort of band packing element like i remember watching them at ron toms a few times where uh -huh. you'd watch them load out and it would happen so fast they would have that van packed and they would all have their little seat in it and they yep. were off and, and then was, we'd be gone it yeah. was like a machine man it was or crazy. they'd be gone yeah that was even with before me even with the the kelly and the um paul days i think his name was paul uh michael lewis pat kearns paul and kelly and then i came you know and then there was a little bit of friction in Blue Skies, and, and the, the band changed, and Pat started to change the way he played. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, he got more country-esque, I would say. Oh, for um, sure. I mean, listen to the first Blue Skies record, and listen to the Pat to the solo stuff. This one, or the Pat solo one, or even the one that I played on, and it's But, I mean, Here Comes the Rain was a huge hit uh, for those totally. guys. Totally. I mean, around Portland, they had that Burnside compilation. And... Now I wonder, will you ever come around? You got my eye, so I lied about a I'm sorry, here comes the rain, here comes the rain. 
you know, you, you guys yeah, knew each other from previous bands, and before you know it, you're kind of uh, journeyman keyboard filling in on sessions. And I played on almost every Blue Skies album, yeah. maybe maybe minus one, which was probably the most popular one, was the one that I didn't get to play on. But uh, um, and they had like songs that were on like Eastbound and Down, and they had songs that were. One day I was just watching the Today Show, and all of a sudden. Uh, your hair changes came up during like their hairdressing segment. I remember calling Pat and congratulating him, and he had no idea that they had actually used a song on there. And he got he had to get his his lawyer involved uh, so that he can get paid for it. Yeah, I don't know. I forget the name of the song is, but it's uh, whatever happened to AM radio and roller skates. And, oh yeah, uh -huh. yeah. What is that song? Whatever. That's super yeah. poppy, though. That was super poppy. That well, was a great song. I, I remember being very jealous of Mike Stratocasters. Oh, uh, man. He had some great yeah, guitars. Yeah. Plus, he's a really good player. That's true. That's true. And he looks so cool, dude. He's when such he play, a rock he, star. He, very true. Because yeah. he, he, he wore the strats so high up that right. it would, it would kind of, you know, it was almost like he was dancing. Right. But, right. Dude, let's talk about that single you just did. What are you calling it? Yeah. Um, the, the, the piano one? Yeah, the, the, the piano that works for me. That I think was me. the working title. But. Yeah, and I think that might be the... That's going to be the next joint to drop, right? I mean, I think, oh yeah, for sure, because that's the one that uh, uh, I'm the most happy with. There, there, there is a bass track that's floating around that I'd love to get into it. That's Seth Gibson, um, bass player extraordinaire. Also uh, in the Smokes. Also in the Smokes. Yeah. Chicken Shift. Also in Chicken Shift. Also uh, Seth Gibson's solo career. Seth Gibson's solo career. We haven't even touched the Senators. We, but, no, that's yeah. true. That's the, true. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other beast. Um, but yeah, he's been... We've been playing music with him since we met him, probably. That song, uh, you know, playing it for my parents, they, everybody's really loved it so that far. That works for me. I mean, just the rough mix. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be very uh, landing. It's landing with, uh, across a wide spectrum. The lot a large of demographic. From, from the, yeah, the age demographic on that one seems to, so it seems to go from little to small, so, or from old to young, you know, and young to old. People seem to like that works for me. I, 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 and that kind of came about from... Uh, yeah, talk, talk me through that creative process. That, that, that song came out from... Uh, my girlfriend leaving. I'm in a long-distance relationship right now, and it's it's hard. Uh, it's hard staying positive when <clears throat> when you have to say goodbye all the time. So that that song was kind of like my my way to to get it off my chest the way that I was feeling about always having to say goodbye, uh, but um, always knowing that it's not it's not goodbye. It's it's just goodbye for now. So. Um, 
uh, to transition, you know, from being a rock and roll singer into, I don't know, would you, I mean, CAC Nerdcore, would, yeah, is that nerdcore. what they would call it? Totally. I, I mean, how do you put a label on CAC? It's hard, but yeah. we, you know, we'd rap about everything. So I think, uh, I think Nerdcore is probably a good, and it was before Nerdcore was around, you know yeah. what I mean? Before there was a, even a term for it, so. To then being a session player, keyboards, smokes, uh, various guys, bands, various right? sessions, to then transitioning to playing bass for for the senators slash class hopper, whatever yeah, they're going to call class it. Class hopper, right? The right. Kids, but uh, yeah, you know, the, <laughs> I, we always say one of the you know for the, the it's a pretty amazing job on bass if you listen to those records, Thanks, which man. hopefully will be getting released someday. But that would be awesome. To then you know picking up the guitar and then. But you know, bada bing, bada boom. I mean, yeah. it's just the jack of all trades, the versatility. You know, yeah. from singing, yeah. playing keys, playing guitar. It, you know, pretty. That's I, a lot of special abilities. I, I owe that just to paying attention to what other people do, man. I think uh, I think I pick up a lot from John and Adam as far as how I, I, I how I drum. I think I pick up a lot from from my guitar playing from you, uh, and and uh, and Seth actually also. And then, uh, and then also incorporating the way I play piano into all those other instruments. So, I just I, I'm just lucky that I have people to play with. That's my thing. I mean, I love being able to go down to my basement and, and record all these songs on my own. But none of these songs were supposed to ever be songs that I just recorded and released. They were always songs that I wanted to go out and um, and play live and have a full band that, that I could play with to do these songs. So. Well, in closing, hey, thanks for doing the 525 Records. Man. First ever 525 Records podcast. It's been a, a pleasure having you. It's, it's awesome been awesome to talk and relive some of the past. And also the future, which is the new single. Look for it out there. Uh, 525records.com. Mm -hmm. Mark Breitenbach, SoundCloud. Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Yep, and you got it. It's a challenging last name to spell. but uh, It is. I'll spell it, though, for everybody. B-R-E-I-T-E. Yeah. Uh, E-N-B-A-C-H. Sweet. Yeah. 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 So, so please. Also, Less Cash, uh, I Can, I Can't, The Smokes. And and there's a lot of tunes that'll that'll be popping up on LessCashMusic.com. That's uh, uh, that's my website that I have. So, uh, okay. yeah, LessCashMusic.com, all one word. Uh, you can go there, and you can also hit Bandcamp up through that way as well. Bandcamp is the there. greatest. It's, it's pretty sweet, It's just dude. the best, dude. It's pretty sweet. Bandcamp is the best. It is. It is. Well, that'll, that's going to do it. Uh, thanks for awesome, listening, man. everybody. Uh, Thank you for having me on here. Yeah, can't, my pleasure. Can't wait to uh, to come back again and, and, and hopefully uh, uh, not too long. I, I just am so lucky to land, uh, you know, in Portland every <laughs> once in a while. It's a pretty awesome I city. I think I'm lucky, so. I think I'm lucky to still have a connection with you, brother. Well, there so. you go. That works for me, the new single by Mark Breidenbach. Awesome. Thanks for listening, so. everybody. Thanks. 525 Records Podcast, out. 525. Uh, one more thing. That song was a song called Slow Jam. It was a, a pre-production home recording cut that came out really good performance-wise. This song you're about to hear is the new single we were blabbing on and on about. It's the, the hot new song that is making all the underemployed musicians' parents so happy. And uh, 
Yeah, but we like it too. As you get older, your tastes change. You can't be a punk rocker forever. I mean, some people can. The real punk rockers can. But uh, for everybody else, there's country and jazz. Thank you. 